I'm JT. I'm Alex. Do you know where your wallet is? Welcome back, JT. Good to be back. Alex, glad to be back here. Can't believe we're back up north. Well, the crazy thing is when I landed from Miami, when I took the flight from Miami to New York City, 85 Fahrenheit in Miami, we land 93 in New York City. And the flight attendant is like, welcome back. It's like you never left. You brought the humidity and the heat up with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, we yeah. both did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that was your first time in Miami when you went down. That huh? was my first time in Miami. Wow. What'd you uh, think? First impressions. It's uh, it hasn't escaped inflation. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I, it was a little pricey. Uh, I thought uh, the prices for food, as well as you know various uh, common things like taking Ubers, um, housing was was surprisingly expensive. Definitely up there with New York City. You know, since the pandemic started, real estate prices and really Miami overall has just skyrocketed, right? You look at just the way regulation has been across the U.S. And Miami has probably been somewhat of the more lenient places you can be. So you had this flood of firms, flood of capital, flood of people going on there. I think that's just really spiked everything up. And the fact that also for Bitcoin 2021, you had all these hodlers, 14,000 Showing up in one city, I mean, one, you know, those Uber rates are going to skyrocket. And two, the whole place is just, it was a fun time, though. I had a very fun time. Yeah, so I was there for maybe five days in Miami. Mm -hmm. Uh, Impressions were definitely really good. Um, But I, I was mostly impressed by the conference. I think that one, I did not expect it to be so all around great. Uh, the, the people that were there were both very smart and very fun. Oh yeah. Um, and just the, just the consensus and the, maybe the feeling of being there was pretty electrifying for me. Awesome. For you? For me, literally I would agree with the same thing. Um, you know, when you go to a lot of these conferences, right, I went to a few investment conferences before this and usually, right, you'd go around, talk to people, talk to some influencers, talk to the booths that are there, usually represented by these companies that are significant in the space, mm-hmm. and just learn a little bit about their thesis, overview of what they do, and you know how they're trying to make a change. This, I would say, and totally agree with you, right? The Bitcoin community specifically, and overall, I'm going to say the crypto asset community in general, is a very open space, right? Mm-hmm. People want to share their knowledge with you. People want to let you know, hey, I have this amazing investment. I have this great yield. Here's this new protocol that can change everything. Here's my opinions on Bitcoin or Ethereum. It was really great. And also, there are not too many places you can go to right now where you have two people that may have two very different political and social philosophies. Mm-hmm. And when we were in that room, we were in the Nakamoto stage, right? The mm-hmm. large stage that could fit, I think, roughly over 2,000 people mm-hmm. when you were watching the main speaker speak. They were all coming from different ideologies, and they were all applauding for the same thing most of the time. Mm-hmm. You don't see that much, much these days. So that was great. But the one thing I, th- the one thing I think we should touch upon mm-hmm. is the fact that it was exclusively Bitcoin. 
mm-hmm. people there, uh, whether it's the the people on the panel, whether it's the organizers, whether it's some of the, some of the companies, though not all of them, did not want to talk and did not encourage any talk that was outside of Bitcoin. Yep. Yep. It, it, it's funny, and it's it's called Bitcoin 2021 for a reason, right? Um, if anything, I remember when we were talking with some influencers in the space, they would kind of mention it on the side. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I work closely with Litecoin, or hey, I mm-hmm. work closely with uh, Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was a big focus on Bitcoin. You know, I, I heard this saying, there are three ways to make it big. Be first, be smart, or cheat. Bitcoin, thanks to Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, sir, hopefully you're listening. It's the first, right? It was the first to really bring about a decentralized idea mm-hmm. to this whole space. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's honoring that method. And also, you know, towards the end, we heard this very large announcement regarding Bitcoin, which is in mm-hmm. regards to El Salvador. Mm-hmm. When you heard that, like, what were your opinions? Because before, if you rewind 10 years back, no one would ever imagine that a cryptocurrency would be adopted as legal tender by a mm-hmm. whole country. So before I go into my opinions, maybe you can explain what does it mean for a country to take on Bitcoin as a legal tender? Oh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Okay. And El Salvador is fair, fairly a tiny country. Um, so for a lot of people, right, maybe in the more institutional level, it may not be such a huge deal. But overall, what that means is that that country can hold that asset as, as a currency reserve. Mm-hmm. So their treasury can hold it. Mm-hmm. Like now El Salvador's treasury can actually have Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And people in the country of El Salvador, the jurisdiction, can actually start trading, buying and selling with Bitcoin legally mm-hmm. without any issues. And that which it also means it's taxable. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like us, how we use the U.S. dollar here in the U.S. Wait, the U.S. dollar is recognized tender here in the U.S. In El Salvador, because they've recognized Bitcoin as legal tender it's a legal currency there hmm. no other nation has made that proclamation other than el salvador but so does that mean that no other country holds bitcoin on their uh, balance or in their country balance sheet if they do not officially wow yeah exactly that's definitely a huge deal i think the and one of the big big things about the conference was this definitely came out from the conversation with Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, mm-hmm. CEO of uh, Square. Mm-hmm. The whole talk of making Bitcoin much, much more scalable uh, and much, much uh, more uh, efficient and usable. Because if you're looking at microtransactions, there's no way Bitcoin makes sense because there's such a huge transaction fee. So something has to be done to make it, you know, for, for those transaction fees to either be extremely small or zero right. and for those transaction transaction uh the, for the transaction speed to be much faster so that's one and another part that a lot of people touch on is volatility right does it even make sense for people to hold it or for people in a lower income bracket to be paid in it because they could be paid a certain salary but that salary could go down 50 or even more mm-hmm. percentage mm-hmm. if the price moves and a big reason that, or at least a big pushback that people will add on is that, look, there's a lot of leverage, right? People are literally taking out loans just to buy yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. And that will make the space very volatile because if the price moves down just a bit, 
because of that leverage, the price will move down dramatically even more mm. because people now have to, right? They hit their margin call. They have to pay pay back that loan some way or another. They cash out. Things get messy. Yeah. So one is, right, how do you limit leverage? And two, as people can, if you can see Alex's shirt, hodl. Hold on for dear life, right? The message was pretty clear. Yes. Don't, I'm not going to say the full sentence, but don't effing sell, right? <laughs> I've heard that time and time again across the whole conference. Do not sell. And so do not sell, but going back to your original question about how do I feel mm-hmm. for a country to take on Bitcoin as a legal tender, it makes for a very good headline. Oh, yeah. It makes for definitely a very interesting experiment but i'm just a, a part of me is a little afraid of the consequences uh you know what 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 happens if bitcoin goes down because of you know reasons like over leverage or other you know public announcements by elon musk mm-hmm. it's uh it's <laughs> but, but i should add that Elon Musk, SpaceX, Tesla were taboo words throughout oh, this conference. Taboo. Taboo. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's going to be, I'm curious to see like what are the next steps and what's, what is it exactly going to look like for El Salvador as far as, you know, taking on, uh, you know, Bitcoin as legal tender will look like, whether Bitcoin will be accepted at shops. Because currency, currently, sorry, currently I think they use dollar. Uh, as the the U.S. dollar as the currency, so I'll be curious to see like what will happen, and perhaps there will be a new way of tourism, you know, that goes to El Salvador oh, because yeah. of this, you know, you know, being first and this big announcement, right? Be first, be smart or cheat. Mm-hmm. You know, they were first, so it's it, it'll be a curious thing to see. I don't. Do you have any predictions? I think there are going to be a lot of companies, especially in the decentralized space, that are going to consider moving or opening some type of operation in El Salvador. Okay. I think Tron recently, they announced that they're actually going to open up an office in El Salvador. They were the okay. first to make that announcement, at least on Twitter. Okay. Um, and El Salvador is betting on that too, right? They want to be known as a place that is open for cryptocurrency and decentralization. They want to be known as that space. Miami, right? We heard it from the mayor of Miami, mm-hmm. Mayor Suarez. Mm-hmm. He wants Miami to be like that too. Because there's so much investment or so much capital mm-hmm. in the space, they want to be known as the epicenter, kind of like what Silic- Silicon mm-hmm. Valley became mm-hmm. when you had that huge tech boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my prediction is, look, this is probably going to be good for El Salvador. I agree with you. It's a social experiment. Any currency that was ever created was a social experiment. Yeah. And it's going to take a big community to kind of rally around to make it successful. Now, would you say from what we saw in Bitcoin 2021, you really saw that community in action physically in person? I definitely thought there. Uh, I definitely thought there is a Bitcoin community. You can put a. I don't know what stamp you can put on this community, but there was certainly a herd-like feeling as far as thoughts of what's going to happen in the future. People were a lot of people were very bullish on Bitcoin. Oh yeah. A lot of people were very bullish on decentralizations, cryptocurrencies. Huge. Um. What are, what were your thoughts? I remember. So this is what stuck out in my mind. I remember we saw a crowd of people throwing Vince Wayne Boulevards in the air. <laughs> and you were like, JT, let's go over there, right? And we, they were by a trash can. And people were dancing in the trash can. We're like, what is going on? And they were just throwing this paper currency, which, by the way, is almost worth, when you have a single note, worth not much now. Yeah, It's just like they were throwing it all in the air. Like, But 
this is just directly from Venezuela. They were actually Venezuelan boulevards. And we're like, what's going on? He's like, you see this? This is inflation. Why are we going to do fiat? And you see them in action. And there were people there who literally told me, I own no fiat, no U.S. dollar. Everything I have is in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or some other cryptocurrency, right? So I hear this, and working in traditional finance, people cannot believe that, right? People can say, well, how do you pay pay for your taxes? How do you pay for any goods, right? And there are ways to do it. There are services that we've spoken to that allow you to operate your livelihood purely on cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. But seeing that community in action and seeing them so lively saying, we don't believe in any central government. We don't believe in how inflation is being handled. Mm-hmm. We believe that certain entities are not working for the good of the people. And again, this is a collective belief that we saw from some yes. people in the audience. Was fairly interesting because then that makes you say, okay, these these fellows and people are, overall are here for the long term. Well, and, and I think the as, as we were doing our interviews, there were certain people that had that notion in their mind, but... It was just so far out there. Yeah. Uh, people telling us that we're experiencing 30% inflation right now. Uh, people, you know, have, having opinions about what the Fed is trying to do in terms of creating like a... Uh, that the, the U.S. dollar has been a Ponzi scheme all along. That's what they've been I, saying. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, in going back to your question, what is the... What is the... What is the sort of the footprint of the Bitcoin community that we feel it at that conference, certainly, but it's a little, it's a little interesting what that footprint really is. I think it's going to be figured out, right? You're always going to have radicals on any party or in any belief, right? And I think we've definitely met some radicals. We've also, we also definitely met those who are really trying to drive the space intelligently. Oh yeah. Like, um, one, one company that stands out for me at least was Gemini. Gemini mm-hmm. was out there. They're an exchange working to really, they had the motto, right? Crypto without the chaos. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to figure out how do you integrate crypto into, tr- into the traditional marketplace for everyone without having to deal with the, the chaotic nature mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we've heard about crypto in the news for so long. Others that we've met, right? We've talked with Taxbit. We actually talked to our head of government relations and how he brought the IRS under the tent mm-hmm. and telling them, hey, you should treat crypto in this manner. Be wary of this, right? That's a perfect example of working with a current institution mm-hmm. in how decentralization works for a whole host of people that don't believe in fiat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. And I think, again, thank you to SecUX for having us there because that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, and, and working with SecUX was awesome. Uh, and uh, the interaction I saw between the engagement I saw from the attendees and the SecUX booth was very impressive. I did want to touch upon that other thing, though, the footprint we talked about. Yeah. There was a one of the panels that was hosted on day two was called Bitcoin Maximalism. Okay. And the idea behind the panel was uh, to address the toxicity that some of, you know, real time, you know, really big Bitcoin hodlers can have as far as Twitter goes, how there's an army of them attacking Elon Musk when he makes a tweet that's, you know, 
does not bring Bitcoin to the best of its light. Not at all. Um, and I initially thought that the talk would be about how 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 do, how do these people that exhibit these extremely not nice behaviors how do they tone it down a little bit? It was actually the opposite. The whole idea behind that talk was how do we infuse this energy into every single person at the conference, at every single person in the audience. And among many, 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 many things that were said that I thought were pretty out there, mm -hmm. there was this one influencer called Bitcoin MD. Okay, okay. He's a, <laughs> like, he's a, like Bitcoin managing director? No, no, actually. Like, oh, like doctor. Yeah, medical doctor. Oh, right. So he, That's you know. my finance mind talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was a doctor for a long, long time. He heard about Bitcoin, ultimately almost switched his careers to be involved more into Bitcoin. And at some point in the panel, he was like, I just got to say this. I just got to say this. <laughs> all these fancy, you know, all these fancy expletive, okay? okay. People wearing their suits, people with these companies. <laughs> Let me tell you one thing. Let me just tell you one thing. Uh-huh. You are out you are out here thinking that you're gonna change Bitcoin. You're gonna come bring your KYC laws, put your <laughs> nice suits on people. No, no, no. That's not how it works. The way it works is you change for Bitcoin, Bitcoin does not change for you. And the crowd went nuts. I mean there were people who were standing yep, up, yep. people who were so happy he spoke that because I think there was the sentiment that you know, there's all these all these institution institutional investors, mm -hmm. all these companies who want to you know take a chunk out of Bitcoin for potentially the wrong reasons, or or potentially to enrich themselves rather to decentralize, uh, you know, fiat currencies and all these other institutional things. I did see a lot of blue suits and white collared shirts for sure. Yeah, um, and there was a huge institutional presence. I know. Bloomberg, they did an article saying Wall Street's more infused with crypto more than ever mm -hmm. as a result of the conference. And you had a lot of representation there from the large institutions on Wall Street mm -hmm. that you would imagine. And it makes sense. Makes sense. Before, there was literally no KYC. Any worry from the IRS sending you a letter? There was no worry of that when Bitcoin first started out. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of people who miss the old days and it's transforming. Mm-hmm. And a good part about this show, right, is we're always trying to figure out where is that intersection between traditional finance and crypto going to go, mm -hmm. right? What is that going to look like? Honestly, from the conference, there was a huge melting pot of possibilities mm -hmm. from what we could tell. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty exciting. Um, but again, right, in any party, in any group, you always have kind of a radical group trying to rally around saying, let's keep going. Let's go harder. Let's hit harder. And I think Tesla's been getting a lot of cyber threats, threats lately. I, I want to touch upon that, though. Like these alternative futures that are kind of shaping up. Mm -hmm. I think we're so extremely fortunate to have attended that conference and to have been at the, you know, the forefront of people moving Bitcoin along. Whether it's, you know, the Winklevoss twins who certainly love the idea of it getting more adopted but you know they well, want to take off the chaos by the way what was the what was the price target that they set for bitcoin half a million yeah 500k right right um so yeah that's their price target mm -hmm. um and so, but but yeah just uh, I, I mean i'm curious what when we think about these alternative futures what uh what are your what are your thoughts it's hard to say 
I do see Bitcoin being a long-term store of value, right? People can put in their wealth. They can put in their trust in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. How it it would act as a form of payment, TBD. Mm -hmm. A lot could change, right? A lot could change. There could become an alternative to Bitcoin at some point where people move on to say, this is the leading cryptocurrency in the space. Mm -hmm. It may not be. Bitcoin may be improved on. There is an army of developers working on improving Bitcoin every single day. Mm -hmm. Right? It's an open source project. So who knows where it's going to go? All I can really say is, confidently, is that crypto assets, decentralized technology, decentralized finance, anything involved in the crypto markets Mm -hmm. is here to stay. Uh I so I I got to attend before a day before the Bitcoin conference started. I attended Shitcoin, and you know it was literally called that. So in Miami too. In Miami too, three blocks away, I attended Shitcoin 2021, Mm -hmm. which was uh, a smaller conference about you know 150 people in attendance, and it was basically there to promote alternative things to bitcoin Mm -hmm. but to in a lot of ways make fun of people who are bitcoin maximalists people who went to the conference paying what what is it thirteen hundred dollars for the ticket versus shitcoin 2021 being five dollars per ticket it was only five yeah five dollars so and it was sponsored by safemoon so uh pretty i guess uh kind of a definitely one of those uh more uh, more altcoin uh, crypto assets. Anyhow, so to me, did I walk away from that conference feeling more bullish on Bitcoin? I don't think so. And I, the the big thing for me is I think about what's been the decisive factor in where Bitcoin's price is today. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't go from zero to sixty k. Or, or I should say, it didn't go from zero to a thousand dollars, because institutional investors, you know, were it was a community. Were, it was a community, and I think if 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 that community is not a healthy one, if there's a divide within that community, Bitcoin won't just keep magically going up. I will say this on Thursday, right at the start of this whole trip got to attend whale day right mm-hmm. that's basically yeah. when all these big institutions come in it's a bit of a smaller group a little less than two thousand people okay. right and that was their chance to kind of come in talk and network and figure out new ways to really understand bitcoin and how to bring it to the markets if they want to bring it to the markets mm-hmm. and the amount of people i saw from a traditional finance background whether they're running a hedge fund a wealth management firm or a part of a bank or mm-hmm. even just an entrepreneur or VC mm-hmm. that want to understand what a Bitcoin hodler thinks and how to get into space was tremendous, mm-hmm. right? They were asking so many questions. They were extremely engaged. These are people who became successful in other parts uh, of the world in different businesses, but now they want to understand how do I help crypto mm-hmm. evolve, mm-hmm. right? There were some that were maybe a little bit more on the middle ground, right? They're just there to learn, see, hey, does this even make sense? Mm-hmm. And then maybe form an opinion later. But the amount of positivity I just saw around crypto assets among these whales mm-hmm. was pretty huge. And it would go to show that there's probably going to be a lot more adoption 
uh, going forward. Now, again, where Bitcoin will fit 50 years from now, we're going to have to see, right? By 2140, all 21 million Bitcoins will be minted. And it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out, right? Where Bitcoin will stand by the time we get to that year. Alex, I'm not sure where we'll, where we'll be in 2140, but it'll be interesting. So I think something interesting that um, Michael Saylor, yep. uh, Michael Saylor mentioned in the panel was that if we look at the S&P 500 today, there's only a handful of companies that are interacting with Bitcoin, let alone have it on their balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And the question he raised was, do we expect that number to go up or do we expect that number to go down? And I think the, the, it's, definitely we ex, it's definitely that I expect more companies to start engaging with Bitcoin. Right. Which opens uh, uh, a, a really large, um, large price deviance upwards. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a, the, one of the big bullish arguments that was made for me. Uh, and that, you know, m- might, you know, make Bitcoin more popular because, you know, who knows whether these companies might want to start in some way, not only holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet, but also doing something with it as far as transactions with their customers go. So I think that was interesting for me. But I think it's pretty great that, you know, these companies are taking on Bitcoin. It really is. So. And it's totally new to people, especially like... When you hold something on your balance sheet, there is, and it, you're a large public company, let's say, right, MicroStrategy, yeah. Tesla did it obviously as well. There's a lot of approvals you have to go through, right? You have to go to your board of directors, your treasury has to figure out ways to get liquidity providers to actually bring in the asset mm-hmm. itself. So it's a whole host of um, steps that you have to do. And I remember actually asking uh, Mike Novogratz on Whale Day the question of, hey, here's how corporate treasuries work. What do you think? Would a company at some point hold Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. And he actually said something interesting. He said, look, if companies are at one point have a duty to serve the new generation, right? The upcoming Gen Zers of the world, it's in their best interest to hold an asset like Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. which will really help drive that generation forward, Mm -hmm. right? And in a way, it wasn't a financial or valuation argument. It was more so the fact that our generation and younger is adopting Bitcoin at a faster rate, at least personally, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of people we met that hold no fiat, mm-hmm. surprising. So his argument was that, look, if companies want to think forward, they have to act forward thinking. And holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet is one way. Well, it's, it's, in, it's an interesting argument, but I just, I wonder whether his hypothesis that it's Bitcoin, that mm-hmm. that asset is Bitcoin, that Gen Zs want and, uh, you know, younger people want, it's up for debate, I think. And it's up for time to tell us. Time to tell, for um, sure. Who knows? Maybe maybe there will be something that uh, people will want to hold more than Bitcoin. I will say this. Even though it was a Bitcoin conference, I heard a lot of people say they're watching the Ethereum 2.0 release mm-hmm. very closely. So who knows, right? Ethereum is a close second to Bitcoin, at least in terms of market value. Mm-hmm. Will there be a shift? Right, that was also another underlying question in the conference. We will see. Did you? I actually didn't. I would have loved to hear a panel about Bitcoin versus Ethereum. Did that happen? Did no. you? 
<laughs> now, the, it was again like if you were if you watch a panel, it was purely on Bitcoin, yeah. right? But a lot of side conversations about Ethereum, altcoins, and different parts of decentralized finance. So you couldn't you didn't really see it on stage, but side conversations because if you're in Bitcoin, you're most likely in another part in mm-hmm. the crypto market. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for a the you know I'm hoping for the famous flipping. Uh, you know, FYI to all our uh, all our listeners, not because I want to profit financially or because I want to see Bitcoin go down and how that will impact things. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a better platform. I think there you can do more things with it today. When, yeah. And you and you said there's so many Bitcoin devs that are trying to change that, but to me, I don't know. I I. I, I I hope that in the future we get to attend Ethereum 2021 and hear what kind of conversations have it there, you know? Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's in Miami, too. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to ask, too, right? Of everything that you saw in Miami, right, what was probably the one thing that you're going to walk away from to say that was a fun conference or at least the most memorable thing from the conference that maybe was outside of the serious um, uh, conversations you would watch on stage? Do you want to take that question first? I'll have to think about it a little <laughs> I, bit. I was going to say, you actually told me one, and it's stuck in my head, right? When we went to the after party, uh-huh. um, they there were a bunch of people there, right? It was the end of the conference. People want to lose some steam. Oh. Um, <laughs> and remind me, who was the artist that began playing on stage? So, there, yeah, so I'm actually going to tell two stories around. So there was a huge after party. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sponsored really, by FTX. Sponsored by FTX. Hello, FTX. Can you make an open bar or can you make a, like a better like experience? It was very sad that there's a big after party with no open bar. And then there's all these other places that have an open bar. I, I did go up to the bar. I ordered one of the more expensive drinks and then the the person at, at the desk handed me the card reader and I'm just like, uh Oh, here we yeah. Go. I mean, yep. FTX, Sam, come on. You can't do better than that. I'm just kidding. So, uh, so the big, the big, the funniest part for that conference, we have the after party. There's, you know, at least a thousand people in attendance and what happens, it starts pouring. I mean, Florida rain. It uh-huh. is just, I, I was holding my backpack as I had the cameras and everything. So I had to be pretty careful. Right. Right. And so I'm like, oh, man, you know, people are just going to start leaving. And I do see some people kind of going towards the exit. And then the DJ plays the anthem behind crypto assets. And, of course, it is the uh, the legendary Pump It Up. Gotta pump it up. So I'm, I'm actually going to play that. Oh, go for it. So, so they played Pump It Up and people went nuts. I mean, I saw buttoned collared shirts being taken off and you know like rodeoed in the air it was just such a such an awesome experience and it just showed i think it just to me it showed that there's actually a lot of like energy um on you know in this movement Mm -hmm. uh that's like pretty kind of uh kind of fun oriented uh but was there like a moment that stuck out to you the moment that stuck out to me was every time I walk around, and uh, I'll do a one quick small one, which is that, look, a lot of people, when they work on these major projects in the crypto space, a lot of times they're talking to each other on Slack or on Telegram, uh, and they don't really know each other face-to-face. 
but they're usually helping each other figure out interesting problems and where to bring this project. So in Bitcoin 2021, especially since the pandemic, it was the first time that so many people, especially developers, got to meet each other face to face. Like I met up with um, one college friend and he works in a decentralized space. And the amount of people he saw at the conference that he knew by name over Telegram, but never actually met in person was tremendous. So it's like, oh, my gosh, you're meeting each other face to face for the first time. Like that was pretty interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And they were just talking about, hey, right, remember when we did this? Remember that day? Like everything was recorded in their head. So mm-hmm. that was really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the uh, at least memorable thing in my head, just from the conference journal and something fun, was seeing Miami, right, mm-hmm. be open to the whole crypto world. Mm-hmm. Any party, any event, or any restaurant you would go to that had maybe an open space, it had something to do with crypto assets, right? Wall Street Bets also had like a party going on. You showed me that one. Uh, I don't think any of us went to that one, right? No. No. But most likely they're talking about the crypto space in general because everywhere you go, everyone was talking about it all across the city. Absolutely. Their bus stops had, um, you know, sort of advertisements about Bitcoin. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, there were many, many billboards that were taught, you know, that actually had a Miami token, uh, which is something uh, I thought was pretty interesting to see. But definitely Miami was a great place to be, um, especially given uh, our cryptocurrency tendencies. Oh, yeah. Could be the future blockchain city. We'll it see how it goes. It definitely could be. I, I mean, it, it I think I think it could be. Not only because their mayor is pushing for it, but based on the energy uh, that I kind of mentioned before of of Bitcoin, you know, there there's a lot of Bitcoiners who love to party because they they're working so hard because they're hodling, right? And they party hard. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, so I I think I'm excited to see what happens in Miami. Can you believe it only took the mayor to say four words to really get this momentum going? What did he say? How can I help? Wow. Yeah. Because they were trying to think, right? Where is the next place where innovation is going to happen? What's the next Silicon Valley, hmm. right? And people were saying on Twitter, "Oh, let's maybe we can make Miami that place." The mayor responded with just those four words: "How can I help?" I, I think that's kind of a finishing thought. Yep. It's um, whether it's El Salvador, whether it's Miami, whether it's even the Reddit forums. It's a big social experiment. Huge. Um, and whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or some other coin, it's we're gonna see we're gonna see how it play out. And it's awesome that you know we we have the podcast, and we'll be able to kind of look back and see what we were talking about and um, what what some of our predictions and thoughts were for the future. It's gonna be exciting, dude. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Thanks to all our listeners. Peace. Peace.